everyone. My name is William Porter. Welcome to this edition of Storytelling Time. This podcast is sponsored by Every Dot Black Entrepreneurs Podcasting Network. We have with us again today Mr. Rufus Stevens, a certified public speaker and entrepreneur. Glad you're with us again, Rufus. Thank you so much, William. I appreciate it. Rufus was with us last week uh, when we focused on his profession as a public speaker. And we also touched on uh, your writing efforts, and that was very insightful as well. But this week, I'd like for the focus to be on faith, uh, beginning with your personal faith. And as I mentioned last week uh, to our listeners, you are an ordained minister. And I'd like to know, first of all, how did you get into the ministry? And tell us what you do as a minister. I have... um... I'm one of those, like so many ministers, that uh, being a minister was the last thing in the world I wanted to do. I grew up in Savannah, Georgia, and my grandfather, uh, Reverend Rufus Dinkins, he uh, pastored a church in Savannah, and um, he um, and we we grew up in the church. He died two years before I was born, but I look just like him. And I tell everybody he was a remarkably handsome man. <laughs> <laughs> but he, um, all of my life, William, I can't tell you, all of my life from uh, when I was seven or eight, people would look at me, oh, my goodness, you look just like your grandfather. You're going to preach, too. You're going to preach, too. I didn't want to be preaching. I went to Sunday school because there were girls. And... Um, <laughs> and And so I heard this well into college, oh my goodness, you look just like your grandfather, and it was the last thing in the world I wanted to hear, but sometime around late twenties i i I kept having this prompt, and I would talk to pastors about it, hoping they would tell me that you're you're delusional, and you know that it's not God calling you to the ministry and finally, when I was in my thirties, one guy told me, and he he was spot on he said. Don't worry about it, Rufus. He said, when you can't stand it anymore, you'll know. And that's exactly what happened. It got to the point where I couldn't stand it anymore. I must have been in my mid-30s. And I accepted the call to the ministry. And uh, this was in Joliet, Illinois. And um, and I started, you know, going to school. And at one point I was in seminary. And, and I, I worked underneath a, a powerful preacher and a Bible student, and it was a very good time for me. And so then it was preaching and teaching and that kind of thing, and that just grew over time. The the, the more I prepared myself, the, the better I became at it, the more, <clears throat> I think, the more productive I was in the process of teaching. And, and then meeting people's needs, people would call, and they would have social needs and, you know, the one o'clock in the morning call, the call to come to the emergency room, somebody's laying dead in a bed. All of that became part of this whole process. And I just embraced it. Uh, The uncomfortable parts and all, there must be something about me that speaks well to these people when I show up and they're going through things. And so I just own that. And, 
when we moved and came here, we we joined the. Uh, I in fact, as part of this 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 move was moving from Illinois to North Carolina was just head shaking because I had just been named the assistant pastor of a church, and we just felt though it was time to move, and we moved here, and I joined White Rock Baptist Church, the iconic church here in Durham, and became one of the associate ministers, and so. Part of my jobs, part of my duties are preaching, preaching when, when I'm asked to preach, like this coming Sunday I'm preaching, and or teaching Sunday school, or I, I head the, um, the men's ministry, um, or wh- wherever else it, 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 there's, a, there's a need. Uh, we, we feed the, the homeless downtown Durham, you know, once a month, and so I, I try to put myself wherever I can that, that helps to meet the needs of the people or whatever pastor needs me to do. So that, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Well, you mentioned White Rock Baptist Church in Durham. I'm familiar with that church, uh, being a student at North Carolina Central University for a number of years oh, and yeah. actually working at the school as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'd like to ask you, what is the importance of faith to you personally and how has it contributed to your business success? In your opinion, well, I, you know, be, beyond this, you know, you you join the church and then you get serious about your faith walk and you make this this commitment to Christ and um, and and you allow the Spirit of God to to drive your decisions and your your whole um, countenance. And so for me, it's been huge because I've had challenging times in my life. In 1995, my wife passed away. And something like 60 days later, my mother passed away. And, uh, and, you know, with faith in God, resting on Him, trusting that this, that, that, that I could get through this too shall pass, um, is the kind of thing that keeps you. I've been in business. I was in business for six and a half years in Chicago. And it was tough having 13 people work for you and, and, and trying to run a business. Um, uh, but God kept me through all of that. And, um, and so for me, it's, um, it's a part of who I am. It's not, it's not Rufus plus faith. It's, uh, it's faith in Rufus that, that causes him to function. And, um, and so it's, it's, it's something just a part of my economy uh, that, that, you know, I trust God in this and that I don't, I don't believe in cosmic accidents or, or bad luck or anything like that. If things are going on, then God is in it. And there's a bigger reason for it than, than the, you know, and that helps us to deal with the pain or the inconvenience uh, that comes with whatever's going on. Well, I tell you, faith is something that um, we could talk about for a long time. I'm sure you're aware of that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but we, absolutely. Need, we need to move on. Let me uh, ask you this. Uh, you know, 2020 has been a unique year with the coronavirus pandemic and police brutality issues in various places across this country, um, especially in the African-American community. Uh, let me ask you, how has your faith been affected during these challenging times in our nation's history with these kinds of issues going on? I, I think it's... Um, uh, I, I think the two levels I'm, I'm thinking about is to answer your question. Uh my faith, I've had to, to look to God when I see what's happened with, uh, what's happening with our national leaders. Um, because on a lot of levels, it looks like 
evil was winning, or um, if evil's too strong a word, then the, the not good was winning. And then um, I trust God. I trust him for, for everything else. It's like uh, when you read Job, Job said, am I supposed to take only the good things from God and not take the bad, you know, to come my way? And so the inconvenience, the, the challenges that are going on right now in our, uh, our society, especially the COVID-driven things and 200,000 people dying. And, you know, I, I, first of all, I believe that this is a way that God is, is getting our attention. Now, some people may say, boy, that sounds really harsh of God. But I, I think we have been running around thinking that we are running stuff and that we we got this all together and, and we live by way of 401k and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and as one lady put me at the, told me at the doctor's office, God has just pressed the pause button and, and said, you know, because this thing, is, this thing is not just America, it's worldwide. And if we would be wise to say, hey, listen, we see it for what it is. Now, Away from that and into the issue of what's going on in the, the black community, I think that's a wake-up call. I think um, George Floyd, as horrendous as that was, was a wake-up call. The, the nation has joined the, 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 this, this chant that black lives do matter. And I, I, I get so frustrated with, with my friends who, in, in their method of, I guess, countering Black Lives Matter say all lives matter. Of course they matter. But it's the black ones that are dying in the streets. And so um, I trust God that God is moving this thing somewhere. I don't think this is the end of it. I think there are too many millions of people now have joined, have locked arms. I have people, William, that have contacted me and said, hey, listen, white people have said, Rufus, I, you know, I apologize for keeping my mouth shut and letting evil go forward. And, and by way of silence, sanctioning, sanctioning that. So I see all of that as a God move. That's, that's not, uh, I think the George Floyd was a trigger, but there's a, bigger, there's a bigger God move at work here to get us to be the people he wants us to be. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Rufus, uh, we're going to touch on this uh, in just a minute mm -hmm. as far as uh, biblical prophecy is concerned. And it's very, very interesting. But let me ask you this question. Uh, we all know that this is an election year. And from what you know about the coronavirus pandemic we're having that has literally held us captive over the past several months, what okay. advice would you give any of our elected officials about the best way to solve this problem? I think that everything starts with a, a conversation in earnest. And, and that's got to be the driver. The nature of, of the conversation has to be honest and 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 uh, ends oriented. That we're just not talking to talking. We're talking because we want to fix something, and we're talking from the heart. We're not talking uh, in light of our next political move that speaks to my end game that has nothing to do with with us getting together. Those kind of conversations have been happening for eons and nothing happens. But when people honestly sit before one another, I just listened this morning, um, Bishop Curry was on, and he was challenging people to, you know, <laughs> make friends with people that, that disagree with you, you know, uh, 
uh, you know, the, the 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 political position can't be a driver for your friendship. They can live in their own their own world, and you can live in yours, and and just allow for them to be there. And I just think that the politicians have to sit down, honestly, and and call what it is. That's that's the thing that I'm sidetracking myself. But that's the thing that's frustrated with me with some of my friends. We've seen horrendous things in the streets of America, and I've pleaded to my friends on Facebook, can you just call evil evil? Okay. Is it okay to shoot a man seven times in the back? Can you just call that wrong? We can talk about other police issues, but for a minute, can you call shooting a man to death while he's reaching for his wallet and his four-year-old is in the back seat? Can you call that wrong? And it is crickets. And until we can get to the point where we open our mouths and talk, talk honestly and say, I don't agree with that, or I agree with that, or I acknowledge that's wrong, then I'm, then I'm concerned for our future. But I believe we can get there from here. I really do. Well, that would be something that you could advise, and I was going to ask you a question but about that, but you pretty much answered it, and that is, given all the civil unrest that we're having, uh, and if you were the president's main advisor, not necessarily this particular president, the current president, but any president, how would you advise him on this issue of civil unrest? And I think you touched on that very mm -hmm. well. Did you want to add anything other than what you talked about I just, already? I, I think, I, you know what, it's, it, it sounds kind of namby-pamish, but basically if you lead with your heart, you know, you and understanding all the other ramifications of making moves and all that kind of stuff, um, you, you leave the door open to, to get there from here. If, if you decide to be empathetic and say, let me try to see it from your side. And, and for that matter, for the people on the other side of it, let me try to see it from the police side. If you, well, you, you're talking about uh, president. If I was talking to the president, I would just say, hey, listen, lead with your heart. Try to, try to um, not to take sides, but, but hear from people and feel what the people are feeling. And uh, you get no sense of that right now. Okay. All right, well, listen, we're going to go on another break, and we'll be right back with Mr. Stevens. Okay. Stay with us. Welcome back. We're here with Mr. Rufus Stevens, uh, entrepreneur and certified public speaker. Rufus, I want to continue to talk to you about uh, faith, and but from the standpoint of what's going on right now in our country, and of course we t touched on that before the break, and I'm talking about police brutality issues uh, that seem to be most prevalent in the African American community. And again, you touched on that very well before we took our break. But let me ask you this. As a minister, what, to what extent do you think the church should be involved in dealing with these issues? Well, you know, I, I think somebody would shake their fist at me, but I really don't think that um, our churches are as committed as I believe they ought to be. I think... Um, and William, you know that there was a there was a time uh, in in our history 
where there were very few corners of society, uh, the community we, we came from, that the church didn't touch. And, uh, and, and it had some, it had leverage, it had authority from just being who it was. Um, and I don't see that now. I, I see, I see churches, um, that, that seem to be removed from that. You know, you, you see it, you see it in some of the compromise preaching that, you know, you don't want to say anything that offends anybody, even that it's, it's nothing but Bible. And, uh, and I just think that, uh, the respect for churches is waning on the parts of a lot of people. And that's, that's due largely to, to the church. I think the church could, the churches could band together, you know, uh, across ecumenical lines and, and become a force for change. And I, and I'm sure somewhere in America that's happening, but I don't, I don't see it in mass. Like I think you would, you would expect to see considering what we see on the nightly news and what's happening in the streets. We will march a little bit, but I don't see us getting together as, as groups of, of believers focused on changing the society. And we have great churches, we have great leaders and everything that, but I think there's still a lot we can, we can do as a, as a body of believers. But you know, one reason for that, I believe, is because of the polarization of uh, the church actually because of either what your political spectrum is, whether yep. you're on the right or the left. And sometimes yep. you ask the question, well, do all of these churches believe in the same God? And obviously there's only one God, but <laughs> depending right. on your political viewpoint, you can get totally different or separate uh, answers to certain questions. It's very difficult to come together. It really is, it seems. It really is. You know, because of that. And then that's a shame. That, that, that is the shame. It really is. It really is. Well, listen, uh, you mentioned earlier about uh, all of the events that are going on today uh, and that uh, maybe God is trying to tell us something. Uh, some in the faith community have drawn parallels between what's happening in the world today and biblical prophecy. And I want to know your views on this. And let me read to you a verse of scripture that addresses this subject. And I'm reading okay. from the book of Matthew, chapter 24, and verses 7 through 12. And this is what it says, and I quote, For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences, or pandemics, and earthquakes in various places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake and then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another then many false prophets will rise up to deceive many and because of lawlessness will abound the love of many will grow cold and I guess that last particular verse uh, or statement in this verse of scripture, it says, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many mm -hmm. will grow cold, end of quote. So let me ask you this. Do you see what's stated in this biblical prophecy apparent in what's going on in the world today? Oh, yeah, I, I do. I think it's hard for you not to, not to read this and, and look, uh, look around you and not say, hey, listen, this thing 
is going on. I, you know, and this is just, this was a indicator that, that God is, this is what's going to happen. God is allowing this to happen. And uh, I think this tells us that the upside of this and this, all this awfulness is that Christ is on his uh, uh, way to return, you know, and it is, it is, it's, it's getting as bad as um, the Bible says, you know, this, this issue of lawlessness. Um, the, I hear people talking, you know, the, the, the guns are flying off the shelf. People are buying guns like crazy. And, um, and we have, uh, you know, preachers that are not preaching the gospel. They, they, some of some, uh, adulterated gospel that some, this, this prophet sent it is the prosperity gospel. And, and that's not a gospel at all. The prosperity, uh, doctrine. And, um, and there's a hatred right now, and I just said, call it what it was. I know you, your show is not supposed to be getting all that political, but our president has drawn battle lines to people. If they felt that way, they weren't. They didn't feel open to to attack people like they are now. And there's a hatred that's building in this country um, that speaks to what you just read. And and my fear is that uh, if this continues on, we we'll find ourselves in some kind of civil war. Um, but yeah, the, back to your point, I think prophecy is playing itself out. Um, I would say to believers just to be ready, you know, uh, you know, if, if, uh, because our ultimate answer is going to be our faith in Christ. Okay. And, uh, that I, I, you know, I think I answered your question. Yeah. It's this, this looks a lot like today. Um, and I think it's only going to get worse. Well, of course, we've been focusing on the civil unrest and the uh, pandemic, uh, but we didn't mention the fires that are going on in California. Unprecedented, yeah. unprecedented. Uh, the right. hurricanes down on the Gulf Coast, uh, and we even had a, an earthquake here in North Carolina about what a month or so ago. And we, yep. and they've been having, her- yep, and horrendous earthquakes in the Middle East. Yeah, yeah. So. So anyway, it's something to at least consider. Uh, well, Rufus, we're coming to the close of this interview, and uh, mm-hmm. do you have any other closing comments that you'd like to make before we finish? I just, you know, William, I just, you know, uh, I like to encourage people. I, you know, I call myself the the edifier, you know, because um, I, I see a lot of people throwing their hands up and and and, and not bringing their best selves forward. I think. If if you're if you're a budding author out there, a budding speaker, or just somebody that's just you know uh, um, looking to be your best self, then you have to run after that and and, and get with people who of like minds and and get that done. Don't sit around here and just let life just pass you by, watching TV and that kind of thing. There's a better you that society is deserving of, and I would I would challenge anybody listening to this run after the best you you can bring. Well, that's that's correct. And one last thing, uh, and I think you gave your contact information earlier. I know you did last week, but again, give your contact information for anyone who would like to contact you. Sure. I can be reached on cell phone at 847-878-5421. 
I can be reached on my uh, by email, raisingtheroof at gmail.com. And raising is spelled just like the fruit, R-A-I-S-I-N, the, T-H-E, roof, R-U-F-E, at gmail.com. Or you can go to my webpage, which is simply raisingtheroof.com. Well, great. Well, thank you for being with us for today. And uh, Thank you, William. I really appreciate it. I know you were with us last week, and it's been a, a grand two weeks being with you, your insight. Likewise, my friend. Well, that's all for today. In closing, I just want to say that whatever you may be going through, whether it's good or bad, just keep in mind that there's always more, more good things coming your way. We'll see you the next time. Suffering with a speech impediment, labeled mentally retarded, and held back in the first grade, Dr. Joe L. Dudley Sr. defied all the odds and became one of the most influential health and beauty industry icons the world has ever seen. Be motivated, encouraged, and inspired as you listen to how one man turned his struggles into strategies and his shortcomings into success. Listen to his legacy at www.patreon.com slash Joe Dudley Sr. That's www.patreon.com slash Joe Dudley Sr. The Dr. Joel Dudley Sr. Legacy Project is sponsored by Every.Black. No.net and No.com. Just Every.Black. Black is the new.com. We as a people have had to overcome slavery and secondly obtain our civil rights. But the third piece is economic equality. And I'm convinced that we can only achieve economic equality through entrepreneurship with the use of technology. My name is Jimmy Davies, and that is why I created the Every.Black website for entrepreneurs. So visit us today at www.every.black, E-V-E-R-Y dot B-L-A-C-K. Learn about entrepreneurship and be on your way to financial freedom. Just go to every.black, E-V-E-R-Y dot B-L-A-C-K. No.com, no.net. Just every dot black. Dot black is the new dot com. We can help you um, develop some tools and strategies to communicate with your faculty members. I think part of my role is, and it's what I needed when I was starting out in college because I didn't know nothing. I think early action is very valuable for students who are pretty sure about a school, but maybe there are some questions that they have, particularly around financial aid. Just like uh, if you were going on a road trip with your family, you'd have some preparation to do. We're talking about students, sure, but let's not pretend like even as an adult, it's mm -hmm. hard. Mm -hmm. It is hard Absolutely. to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. asking for help. Hey, hey, Dr. Oliver, great to hey. see you. You too. I'm so excited for you to tell us the ins and the outs all about standardized testing. There is no one size fits all. There mm. is no take the SAT on this date, at this time, at, in this semester. Thank you for joining us today on Educate You. If you wish, you can send me your questions or comments about the college going process or the podcast content by sending an email to 
drgreta at gretaoliverconsulting.com.